0: This is Bragg, the son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a LOTRO podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons ministereth; the beacons are lit. Lotro calls for aid, and Brag shall answer. It's Amandine, the best I've seen, somewhere in the foothills of Farinorian. Despair is unkindled. Welcome back to Light like the Beacons, the only Lotro podcast that dares to say, "My goodness, what mysterious eyes you have, ears you have, Grandma." This is episode number eighty-six for all you Hicks, and I am your host. Brag of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, the Fuming, and Dwarf of Ill Repute. Broadcasting live from Temporary, Light the Beacons, Middle Earthwide Headquarters. Fa from Feathillion. Coming to you live from Holly Hornblower's Hut. Let's take a look around. So I'm standing on top of Holly's Hut. It's easy to uh, climb the precipice and from... From the peak of the arch, I can see around. Let me see all over Hobbiton slash Bywater. Uh, looking northbound, I can just see the outlines of Ted Sandyman's Mill on the side of the on the side of the Brandywine there, and uh, or whatever that uh, piece of water is. Sorry, and then uh, Postman Grub is off to my west. I can see a fountain in the middle with a task board Dudo Chub standing by uh the ivy bush inn is directly in front of me a couple townspeople winding about a couple windmills you know typical idyllic uh hobbit stuff i can just see let me see if my rendering is big enough uh yes i can see the top of the party tree and some tents from up on top of the hill and as i jump down to the front Holly Hornblower stands before me. She's got a, a natty little purpose, purple dress on with a, a little green kerchief, uh, what looks to be a apron of sorts, uh, color-coordinated, of course, a little white coll- frilly collar. Uh, she looks like she's been hard at work in the kitchen, her lined face uh, suffering from, you know, a little little bit reddened from all the heat. And right behind her on the table are two pies, two very large pies, as a matter of fact, uh, bigger around by twice than my head, and uh, nice brown crust though, um, good markings, you know, if, uh, if we hadn't had such an issue with some of her pies in the past, you know, I'd be happy to take a bite. Um, flanking her doorway on either side, there's little bowls filled with red berries, I can assume those have been cleaned meticulously before they were inserted into the pies, and Holly is offering me a quest, let's see what she wants me to do. Yule tide woes. Inquire among the Hobbiton folk for an explanation of Lobelia's post as Yule planner. Uh, I decline. No, I don't want to do that right now, Holly. Um, we will speak to you in a little bit. As a matter of fact, as the podcast goes on, it may become abundantly clear while we're standing here with Holly. But in the meantime, uh. I want to move on to the next beacon because, let me see, it's been a few weeks since I spoke with you, but I do have uh, some time traveling coming up next week, Uh, so this is unusual for me, usually I'm a Tuesday night podcaster, but here we are on a Friday afternoon and I'm trying to jam one in because it's been a couple weeks since I've spoken with you uh, before I go on a mini sabbatical and uh, do some work-related traveling around the environs of Middle Earth. Uh, so, with that, let's move on to our next beacon. That was beacon interrupt us. That's better. As usual, we first got to deal with a lot of CRAP corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out, we offended weather stalkers, amnesiacs, thrang chungers, sloppy picnickers, and consumable deed enthusiasts. Uh, That's sure to be a thing for somebody, right? And to everyone else that was offended, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt, sorry, viewer comments agree to disagree. Let's check the leaderboard. Hey, Grimey, will you get on that soundboard a little more expeditiously, please? Thank you. The last review of the podcast was left by Bounder Dolble on May 21st of 2018, and he currently has our high score. As always, if you want to join this illustrious cadre of reviewers, you can scribe your comments on a sheet of vellum using the bloody tusk of Blood Tusk, that works, and bury them under the clue cloth gem outside of Aug Hair, and they will make their way to mine ears. Absolutely. Uh, from Twitter... I did want to note that according to statistics in a plugin I downloaded for WordPress, as of a few days ago, likeatthebeacons.com has had a total of 1,043,942 visitors in aggregate. And uh, that's likely only since I installed the plugin, whatever that was, and it started keeping stats, so it could be a little larger than it actually. The other Important thing to remember is that probably about 99% of that traffic is probably internet bots. But even so, it's gratifying to know that I'm doing my part at least in some small way to gum up the workings of the internet with trivial nonsense. So a big thanks to all the viewers and bots out there and contributing to this arbitrary milestone. In community spotlight, um, musings on music at Lena's Biscuity Burrow. Um, That was a post that was out on Lotro Players uh, a week or two ago, uh, pointing to an article on her blog, and uh, it features today's Did You Know? So Lena went through some of her history of playing music in the game and some of the major milestones for her over time, uh, some of her memorable performances and so forth. And uh, the thing I learned that I did not know from reading her post was that when you're in music stance, the note heads that float away from you as you're playing music... Are full if you are playing freehand. Freehand meaning manually, like via regular or regular PC keyboard or a MIDI keyboard. And the note note heads are empty, that is, uh, not filled in, if playing via recorded playback from an ABC file. How about that? The more you know. Uh, Also, wanted to mention WizardCon in Indianapolis is featuring an SSG Lotro meetup at a local watering hole. I actually have relatives in Indianapolis, and I might have gone if I didn't have a personal conflict with this date. Um, that would have been fun uh, to actually meet some folks from SSG, and who knows, maybe some folks I might even have known from the lotro world. Uh, so it's cool that some of these uh, meetups are being revived around you know the various conferences or cons that take place across the country this time of year. Uh, bully on SSG for reviving those because I think it was it's been maybe. One or two years since they've had one of those meetups. Forums Insider. Insert crowd noises and mobs with pitchforks here. Um, Well, uh, in the forums uh, this past couple weeks, there have been more Cordovan beacons not mentioning my podcast, uh, as always. Aside from that, there continues to be contention about SSG putting stuff in loot boxes. I'm looking at you, Shimmering Horse of Many Colors, originally from the Isengard raid completion deed. Uh, so, stuff in loot boxes that were formerly only able to be earned through gameplay. SSG addressed this in the latest patch by actually changing the appearance of the horse in question slightly by removing the Guard insignia off of its bardings. Uh, you can tell how much they learned their lesson by their simultaneous move to offer the legendary hobby horse uh, to the game purch-able, purch- purchasable via Ash. Apparently, for 2500 Ash, you can now have the Hobby Horse. And uh, of course, they would devalue it the year I got one of my RK finally. But uh, who's going to acquire it for their main? Raise your hand. Uh, I am not answering this question until after the current Winter Festival encore, but um, I feel for those who tried and tried and tried for many years and finally obtained one, and now I have a feeling we're going to be seeing them hop skipping all over Middle Earth. Uh, 2500 Ash is actually, I uh, consider to be a fairly reasonable price tag for something that has been so long sought in the game. So, in this week's action-packed episode, we are going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks. We are going to follow uh, the beacon lead and talk about some uh, favorite skills for every class. We are going to exercise our pipes and discuss the legend of Holly Hornblower. More on that later. And lastly, if any time remaining, we will summarily squander it. But if we want to have time for that, we better get moving on to our third beacon of Nardal. Jeez, Beacon us! <laughs> Having performance-related problems? It happens now and again. This week in gaming and other Tolkien news. Uh, I have been on a hiatus from Anesia the Dark Descent, just uh, kind of focusing on Lotro and a few other summer-related things. I do think I can finish that game up with a couple hours of gameplay at this point, and I'm sure I'll get around to it. But, I, you know, I'd say I'd save the review for later, but... My uh, my lack of conviction around completing the game, even being so close to the ending, tells me one thing already about how exciting it is to play. There are some cool things about it, but in the end, I'm finding it a little lackluster slash boring overall uh, versus a lot of other games that are available out there. Um, also, I wanted to mention that a few weeks ago, I t- or in my last two podcasts, I talked about the fact that I was looking to... Uh, revive a game that has long been uh, dormant in the household of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so for one of the baby dwarves birthdays uh, a year or two ago, I bought them the latest starter edition of Dungeons & Dragons, uh, which I think is version 5, I believe. And it, it contains the adventure of the Mines of Fendelver and uh, for a long time we talked about it we talked about it and with uh, everybody home for the summer and a little extra time we actually uh, crazily started the game and was a little slow going at first as we felt our way through the rules and tried to remember the flow of how things go and maybe selectively took some of the rules and discarded them that I found a bit cumbersome, but that, you know, as the DM, that's my prerogative. But uh, we started to pick up some steam in our second session, and uh, we are having a lot of fun. Um, I might consider a segment recounting some points of our adventure soon, but for now, I will just say that it is uh, it is a good time, and uh, it, we're on a race against time to see if we can Complete the dungeon uh, this summer before certain hobbits go back. Uh, certain dwarves go back to school. Um, so we'll see if we're able to uh, meet that objective. It'll be. It'll probably be close. But uh, but while it's going on, we're enjoying it. It's. Uh, it is good family time. It is uh, fun to revisit and have some nostalgia. And uh, the youngins are enjoying it as much as I am. So um, although uh, the uh, dwarven wife is behind her beard is looking on askance at us like we're crazy but that's neither here nor there let's move on to a brief discussion of movies and tv Uh, i've saw advertisements these past few weeks for castle rock the new stephen king uh, hulu tv uh, episodic vehicle that i'm very intrigued in have to figure out how i might be able to acquire the ability to watch that show I was also um, introduced to a very funny show I found on TV the other week called Trial and Error, which I had never seen before, starring John Lithgow and a cast of uh, real good characters. Uh, It reminds me of the TV series The Good Place. If you like the humor in that, you may like Trial and Error very much so, and we've been binge-watching our way through that as well. Um, From a lotro standpoint... Bragg has been trying to get in some 2-2 two, two Challenge Bells runs uh, recently. And, uh, you know, as people are finding whenever that's the featured instance, if you're pugging and trying to get through it on 2-2 two, two Challenge so you can get your newfound coins, it's not easy to pug. And uh, I was uh, actually doing it, I believe, on my healer, uh, where our main tank was... Uh, had was a warden who had about 89k morale and that just wasn't cutting it against the troll the first troll boss in the bells of dale um the presence of newfound coins which can be earned through certain tier two challenge instances i think i have like 11 or 12 out of 20 last time i checked is uh an interesting twist that was added to the game i don't know where i missed the release notes on that i just kind of discovered it um through reading some article somewhere basically someone mentioning it. And uh, the newfound coins basically, uh, you can get one per tier two challenge run. And it looks like uh, you can trade them in at a vendor. And it looks like it's some of the best gear going right now outside of tier two challenge Abyss of Mordath gear, is uh, the gear that you can procure using these newfound coins. Um, so I like the idea of inspiring people and rewarding them to do challenge level content. But 20 runs per piece of gear, which is what you need about 20 of the coins to get each piece of gear, seems a bit excessive to me. Uh, you know, it's not something I'm going to be grinding. I'll I'll do the tier two, two challenge content when it comes up, and if I happen to get 20 pieces together, I'll consider which character to give a piece to. But you know, overall, I can't see pursuing that to the point where I'm getting the six piece bonus on any of my characters. Um, that's like 120 tier two, two challenge runs. Yeah, I think you might want to consider cutting that at least in half SSG. Um, okay, also on brag, I finished off uh, just premiering this week, the Stolen Sweets quest out of Frost Bluff. Don't ask me why we have a Frost Bluff revival in August. I think they uh, they positioned it by saying, you know, you might want to cool off your character if you're you know in the 90s around the nation this past week. Um So, why the F are we in Frostbuff in August? <laughs> this encore stuff is getting a bit out of hand. Occasionally, I don't mind the encores. You know, if you're away on vacation, when a festival comes out, it gives you a chance to still maybe earn the steed or whatever rewards you we were looking for. But, guys, we don't need a new festival every weekend. It kind of dilutes their specialness. Um, that being said, the new Stolen Sweets quest, for those of you who don't know what it was, it's uh, right by the Stable Master in Frostbluff. a new quest that was available and uh, she says basically a great eagle was bringing sweets to the poor children of frostbluff and the bag was torn and they've been spread all over the wintry areas of lotro uh... up to level 50, which means basically erid louine for misty mountains and Caradhras in our i believe as well uh... and uh... basically the idea was if you went around and picked up these six or seven different kinds of sweets and brought them to the children you would get a reward which included a title And a little snow bunny, which looks like a white bunny, which we've had in game before, but he's got little snowflakes falling around his head. Uh, Much like the snow cub uh, that I received for doing uh, charity, I think it was uh, extra life events a couple years back. So the quest was easier than expected after I first read about it. I really thought it would be a scavenger hunt where you're combing the landscape and trying to find a specific location where something dropped. You know, in a big zone like Forkel, finding two pieces of candy. You know, I would have been referencing that on the forums rather than combing the entire zone foot by foot myself. But as it turns out, all you have to do is kill mobs in those areas, and the kind of treat you get is keyed to the kind of mob. For example, if you wanted a plum pudding, you had to kill a Grim in Forkel, and there are some just out of the east gate of Surikila. Um, you know if you want a different kind of treat, you need to kill a bear, A different kind of treat, you need to kill a lynx, etc etc etc. So it only took about I don't know 20 minutes maybe to pick up all the different kinds of candy that I needed and to turn the quest in uh, giving children uh, candy to the children. Um, you know I just should have driven up my you know my white conversion windowless conversion van to drop off the candy with the kids. Uh, luckily, I didn't send Grima to do it right Grima uh so the quest was easier than i expected and i got a little cute little bunny i uh, don't want i'm going to name him but for now uh as a placeholder i called him Snowfart. <laughs> yes sophomoric i agree all right uh what's my mini been doing she cleared lake town dale and erebor And uh, still had not opened up the dailies, and I realized I had to head back to Felagoth to finish out the Spider Quest line, which I had remained open uh, to open up the dailies so I could get rep kindred, so I could spend my tokens of the lakes and rivers on stuff that matters. So the whole time you're in the northern strongholds, you're generating tokens of the lakes and rivers. uh, But the only gear that you can get from those that matters, that I consider upgrade from the best gear I had in Mordor, uh, is the kindred level rep stuff. And for my mini, who wants will-related matters, that means getting uh, kindred rep in Dale with the men of Dale. Um, but as you you know go around the zone, you basically you have to open up the dailies in order to do that. I mean, you could sit there and do every quest in Dale and then hand in tasks until you got it, but it would take a long time. Uh, so the best way to do it is to finish off all the quest lines and open up the dailies so you can do the dailies to get rip kindred rep um, amongst all the different factions so you can trade them in for what you need uh... i did get kindred with the dwarves already and sent a recipe and purification token to my tailor to get a teal 2 slot level 240 um, light armor quaff or helmet and uh... i also started doing the after story stuff around the weeping warrior harazgar uh... which ends up uh, uh, midway through the Rust and Rhyme quest line, you get a Level 240 pair of pants for finding dragons all over Middle-earth. And if you continue until you finish the Lay of Rust and Rhyme now, which is now available in-game, all the episodes have been published, uh, you can get a level 245 teal bracelet, which is pretty nice too. And um, when you complete it, you also get, I think, 100 teal coins, which is good for another bracelet or basically another recipe, which you can trade in for a necklace or a pocket item. Uh, so I'm going to be doing this on my other tunes very quickly to get uh, basically two pieces of gear. It's a decent amount of grind to get uh, two two pieces of gear, which are I'd consider top level outside of new find coins or abyss of Mordath. And um, my mini's definitely feeling a little more robust. I, I ran a level 115 tier two, two challenge, uh, Court of Saragos, and if you if if you've not done it recently, it's still a tough little instance uh, to do it. Le, uh, cap level tier 2 challenge not everybody complete it so why do it? because the loon is almost the same except at the end for the last boss for a chance at a purple or teal rune from the last boss fight that's the difference between the challenge version and the regular version is that again, a chance of one of those runes that you can use to put into um, that you can use to put into your last uh, rune slot on your LI why would you want to do that? Um, I'll talk about that in a minute. So in uh, Court of Saragos 115, 22 first boss, no issues. Second boss actually took a couple tries. Uh, you have to get a little bit lucky on puddle placement um, or figure out a strategy where you're moving as a group to avoid puddles entirely. You can heal through single puddles, but when he drops two or three that overlap, that's basically insta-death if you walk through that area. Uh, on the third boss, we tried several, it took several tries to get Killnot down uh, and which is the uh, giant bat that spawns in tier 2 challenge mode only now, used to be in level 105 and in tier 2, but is now tier two, 2 challenge only. Um, took us a tr- several tries to get Killnot down, but then after we managed to kill him, uh, the rest is cake. Uh, the key is, what's the key to finishing this instance? Having people that are willing to communicate with each other, which is not always the case. And having some patience so you don't quit the first time you die or second time you die. And uh, at the end of the day, having some decent gear. Anyway, I did get a purple rune of enchantment that I sent to my lore master. And it started discussion with me uh, on runes with some of the other characters I was running with. And uh, a little bit of research online. So these runes you mostly get from tier two challenge instances, uh Court of Saragos, I think Nearband as well, and especially Abyss of Mordath. And uh, if you're a healer like my mini, what you're looking for is called a Rune of Binding. Uh, the cost even for a purple Rune of Binding or a, a teal Rune of Binding is somewhere in the order of five to 700 gold, typically on the auction house for the teal. Um, And if you go above the teal, you can also get an abyssal rune. That's the one that you get from Abyss of Mordath runs. And uh, just applying the teal rune uh, onto my mini's uh, songbook uh, increased my tactical healing base stats by 25 to 30%. 25 to 30% with uh, comparable increases in healing. based on articles I read, for doing a second one on your weapon. It can have almost as good of an impact as the first one that you put on your songbook. So uh, basically, what I I found after I installed it was a 20% increase in overall heals for Bolster, uh, Bolster Courage, uh, Court of Salvation, etc. It doesn't apply to the heals over time or HOTS, uh, but uh, it does apply to all the base healing skills, and you get even bigger peaks for your crits once you add on top of that as well so i'm glad to have this on my mini at the end of the day i'm not one to spend five to seven hundred gold commonly you know the only things you can normally buy in the auction house for that much are the abyssal fragments uh that you can use to get abyssal gear um stat tomes maybe if they're the hardest to find ones um uh, you know, other top level lines of gear and maybe, you know, Blessings of the Valor if you can find them still tradable out there for a couple thousand gold. But I don't normally spend that kind of gold, but I do have it to spend um, based on a uh, Blessing of the Valor that I sold a while back and, and, you know, how much I play in general. I can't think of much else I could spend gold on that would have this big of an impact on my character's core function. Um, so we'll see how long... That's relevant, uh, you know, if the next stat increase or level increase makes it irrelevant. But for now, I'm enjoying the additional breathing room my mini has on instances. And it begs the question, should really one item like that have that big of an impact on your effectiveness? You know, these are the kinds of things that cause game imbalance. The people that can afford those, obviously, are going to be much more in demand than the ones that can't. Uh, if you get a rune of striking, you can apparently have similar type of impact on your DPS characters. And the rune of enchantment that I set to my lore master appeared to increase my increase my top line DPS uh, for my skills across the board by about I'd say 12 to 15 percent on my LM. So, <coughs> and that was just the purple version. So even a purple version rune of uh, uh, enchantment can make that big of a difference in your character's overall performance uh, i would argue that they're probably a little inflated in terms of um how effective they should be but uh w- i am certainly going to be paying a little more attention to trying to generate some of those uh if i get tubes obviously i can still even sell them but i have a number of alts that uh, that would be more effective with that kind of firepower so i will be uh Look on the lookout for them and seeing if I can earn a few more over time. My Cappy, the fashionable, is in a good place. Um, I think uh, almost all of his gear is at the level I'm looking for right now. Um, I spent some coins on uh, some of his leftover land token coins on a set of shoulders for my mini and a Northern Kingdom's essence box as well. Um, I pretty, ha- pretty much have most of the upgrades you can get at this point aside from the Abyss of Morath the New Found Coins and maybe um, trading out a few essences for Northern Kingdom Essence upgrades, so my Cappy I'm pretty comfortable with right now overall. My lore master is the tune I'm starting to work on now. Uh, with my guard Mini, and Cappy in a good place, my Berg's been doing some Mordor key runs and polishing his LIs. Any uh, scrolls of empowerment or crystals I have now, I'm, I'm funneling towards the Berg. And his uh, primary DPS weapon is almost maxed. After which, I'll start on his uh, bag of tools. My hunter is waiting in the wastes and is my new dumping ground for Mordor task items. Uh, Bjorning Champ and RK just hobby-horsing around. Uh, my warden, High Elf Warden, uh, Lying Fallow. In other Tolkien news, I did want to mention, for those that have had their heads on the ground, The Fall of Gondolin should be coming out shortly uh, from the Tokian estate. And uh, I saw a three-piece box set that uh, has the same style of publishing of, of, as The Children of Hurin, and the Baron and Luthien novels, which have come out the last two years. And I do think uh, this is going to be considered the last you know, major work that's going to be published by the estate. I mean, that is the last pieces of writing which they felt were finished enough that they could be polished and completed and published, as, at least as far as Christopher Tokian is concerned, and I think was the last kind of great goal he set for himself before he stepped aside. So the fall of Gondolin is coming, And one other piece of Tokyo news I wanted to impart, this could have been in the community spotlight, I guess, is that I saw some posts on Twitter today that the Tokian Professor's Signum University has been accredited by the New Hampshire State um, Board of Education. Um, So that is now an official curriculum where a person can get uh, an advanced degree, which is pretty exciting uh, for those of you who have followed Mythgard and the traveling of the token professor in game the last few years so i wanted to extend my kudos and congratulations to him for that that's enough about what i've been doing in game it's time to move on to the beacon of everlast all right in everlast this week i wanted to talk a little bit about uh some of my favorite class skills in the game Uh, I saw basically it was the question that was asked on the beacon a week or two ago by Cordovan. And uh, I was listening to Lotro Players News and some of the characters there were chiming in. So the first question is, what makes a favorite class skill? Is it big damage output? Is it your favorite oh crap skill when you're in trouble? Is it a cool animation or sound effect that accompanies it? Is it just kind of quintessential to your class or how creative you can be in using it? And I'm going to say it's all that stuff and a whole bag of chips. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to talk about some of these. I'm not going to justify them. Next week, if you ask me, I might change some of them uh, pretty easily back and forth. Or someone would say, this is my favorite. And i go, yeah, that one's pretty good too. So this is a, a little bit arbitrary. And if you're willing to uh, go along with that, I'm going to talk about class by class some of my personal favorites. So uh, the two, two classes I probably had the most tough choices with berg and captain because um and maybe lore master because those are the three classes i find to be the most creative in terms of the use of skills in the game that require you know some tough choices um so you know i could say stealth riding is my favorite Berg skill but i'm i think i'm going to try to leave out uh mounted combat skills And so the first one that came to mind that I've been using a lot lately on my Berg, especially in Mordor with uh, some tough areas of content, is Touch and Go. Touch and Go is the skill that basically allows you to uh, up all of your avoidances basically for a short period of time. You know, significant evades. And what goes with that is if you're traded correctly, uh, there's a trait skill for bergs that uh, they gain some morale every time they evade. And if you're significantly upping your evade against a whole group of mobs that are trying to beat on you, you can pretty quickly replenish your morale both at the same time. So if I'm fighting three or or four guys, I'm hitting touch and go on my berg and... uh, and, uh, you know, by the then stunning one of them. And by the time Touch and Go is done, one or two of them are going to be dead and I'm back down to a reasonable fight. Um, and Touch and Go is also a skill that can be, uh, you know, the cooldown can be reset using uh, Ready and Able as well. So that's one of my favorite Berg skills. Um, you know, maybe uh, what's a, what's a secondary award or a um, consolation prize to using dust in the eyes and then startling twist so a trick and trick removal so i kind of i'll cheat and kind of pair them together uh dust in the eyes startling twist because dust in the eyes is uh three targets um i'm sorry more than three targets you know so it's one of the few skills for bergs where you can make a fellowship wide impact on a bunch of mobs and uh when you use startling twist after it uh, three, three targets get an eight-second stun and multiple corruption removals as well if that's relevant. Uh, so uh, that's that's a pretty fun one. One of the few Berg skills, especially in yellow line, that can make um, you know an AoE impact. And on top of that, I'll just throw in safe fall because w- you don't get to use it very often. But when you remember to use it and use it correctly, you're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a great Berg. I remember I wanted to use my safe fall and it, is, uh, it can be a lot of fun. All right, let's move on to the mini class. Uh, again, I think I've talked about this in the past. Some of my crowd control stuff, you know, is underrated on the mini. The Song of Distraction has to be one of the best skills that's out there. I never would have been able to finish a lot of content areas in Moria, especially in Talith Uri with some of the gashy high thrones and, uh, you know, um, altars and so forth without the Song of Distraction to be able to control the pace at which I'm pulling mobs. And uh, on top of that, you know, secondary vote will go to uh, Invocation of Elbereth, which is our fear skill. Also hugely helpful when you've got uh, three or more mobs beating on you. Um, Piercing Cry has always been great uh, with the stun that comes along with it. And, uh, you know, Court of Salvation now rocks. So maybe I'll throw out Court of Salvation as another option that would have been close um now that you can you know basically the mini's biggest hill heel is the one that can be used on the move which makes it huge for soloing as well so that's great uh rune keeper you know my rune keeper is only level 56 i believe so you know jury is out on this one but i'll throw um I'll throw a vote out for shocking touch, uh, which is a five-second daze. You know, again, if an RK gets into melee, they're in trouble, right? So, uh, using your little, uh, you know, lightning armor and shocking touch effectively is uh, the best way to get out of those circumstances. And of course, dropping the rock is always fun, right? Uh, from a guard standpoint, thankfully, our brutal charge was saved. They preserved the. Uh, five or six mob knockdown that you can make after a brutal charge in Redline, which is huge. Uh, Close second would be the shield smash, which... um uh in blue line uh now impacts multiple targets and with shield spikes on and the latest dps increases for guard uh can have you know pretty much the biggest damage output you can get on a guard is hitting five or six mobs with shield smash and you know each for like 20 to 40k Uh, so that's a a real nice skill for us now and of course take a breath with the latest changes is now an op self heal which is nice it's a little longer cooldown but it, it does make a huge impact um and uh, from an animation standpoint, I gotta throw out their shield taunt. <laughs> Usually, I'm I'm using my shield DPS skills, but when you use the shield taunt, and he uh, you know bangs on his shield with his uh, with his mace or axe or hammer and says "Come and get it," that's legit. That's fun stuff. Okay, from a champion perspective, again, my champion is only level 62, I think. Um, You know, and you would think DPS skills would be your favorite as a champ. I guess you can tell my roots as a guard. Exchange of Blows is one of my favorite skills on the champ. It's a 50% Reflect for 15 seconds. That is going to save your bacon uh, in a pinch. Um, Oh, uh, Bracing Attack is the one where you get a morale return when you hit it. I like to use that pretty frequently as well, given how uh, smooshy the champ can be for a heavy class at times. Oh, and horn of gondor of course because it's awesome so i guess i'm picking two or three of my favorite skills for each one here uh cappy's got some tough choices uh but when he lays down the revealing mark where everybody in the party is getting 50 percent healing back on the damage they're doing that's going to heal up your hunters in the party really quickly um and i would say an underrated skill that i use all the time uh, as a cappy is fighting withdrawal uh, so it's a 30% parry, parry buff um, that lasts for, uh, I have to pull it up, I think it's like 15 seconds. And, uh, you know, I never use it when I'm withdrawing. <laughs> I use it when I'm fighting in melee and I'm, I've got a huge number of mobs that I'm dealing with all at the same time. Uh, the, the fighting withdrawal parry buff skill is huge uh, for surviving some of those encounters, uh, especially when you're not in, in tanking stance if you're in red or blue um and you're a little bit more squishy uh you know last stand in harm's way is always awesome obviously but it's just it's so situational i found it very difficult to to use it uh effectively when when you do pull it off it's very gratifying but it's hard to to nail it at just the right time and uh and have it work for you the way you want it to and survive it so um you know if you pull it at the end of a huge raid boss and something like that and you you know shield the party just long enough to get them through you know to, to, to kill the boss before everyone would have been wiped that's huge but um, how often does that happen like once in a blue moon basically mm-hmm. uh, you know two arms with your shield brothers makes everyone in your party 15% more awesome at like everything But then, you know, I have to mention Oathies for the Cappy. It's dinner time. Oathies are up. Come get your 35% damage increase uh, for the next 15 seconds. For Bjorning, I just think for animation purposes, you can't beat Relentless Maul. It's kind of tough that you can't move while it's happening. So, you know, especially in PvP, people just move out of the way. Or if mobs are on the move, you're basically stuck in the animation, which lasts a pretty long time. You know, besides that, I'd say Beast swarm. Throwing bees at people is always great, or the execute, uh, if you use it on a mob that's under, I think, 30 25% morale can do a big last boom of damage to knock someone out, which is kind of fun. Uh, warden, my Wardens are only level, oh gosh, about 40 or so, so it's hard for me to say uh, which Gambit's my favorite uh forced march is obviously awesome for <laughs> just for convenience sake and i do like uh, ambushing stuff from from distance uh with my javelins uh the morale leech skills are probably going to be the best ones bat that but uh, uh apart from that never surrender sounds pretty darn awesome i don't th- Think I'd have that yet or know how to use it. It's basically once your health drops below 15%, it pings back up to 15, 50% morale and power instantly. And uh, Exultation of Battle, if, if you can get that many Gambit Builders done before you are dead, as uh, a morale tap plus a, a hot morale tap as well. Uh, heal over time. Pretty awesome. From hunter perspective, I'm not a typical hunter. I'm gonna throw out two skills. I bet no no hunter, no other serious DPS raid hunter would ever say. First of all, deadly decoy in the yellow line is hilarious. Um, you can plunk that down. All the mobs in the big area will just focus on hitting a scarecrow while you're picking him off. Um, and then it explodes at the end in their faces. That's hilarious, and it works great uh, if you like soloing in yellow line uh, for, for something different like I do. And secondly, a skill that I, you know, I've always liked, and pe- pe- I hear people putting it down all the time, but um, I like to use low cut. Uh, low cut is the melee skill that impacts uh, kind of a frontal arc, a number of mobs in front of you. I think it's up to like five. And the damage isn't huge, but it, it is an AoE melee skill, which is nice if you happen to get cut, caught in melee. And what it does, is it, it's mi- minus 50% run speed for 10 seconds. So if you do get mobbed, you hit a low cut, and then you can back up and kite uh, to your heart's delight, as you know they're not going to be able to catch you with that minus 50% run speed for 10 seconds. By the time you're through that, one or two of them are hopefully dead. Uh, so, that one can save your butt in my experience. I even had the legacy on it for a while. Um, I think it got changed through imbuement, but there used to be a legacy to improve the, the effectiveness of low cut that I used to use as well. Those are some of my favorite skills across all 10 classes, and that's a fun beacon to actually get back to some gameplay discussions. But let's move on to our fifth beacon Minrimon. Now for the originally week, the original weekly sponsor segment, this show, week's show is brought to you by the letter M. The letter M is what makes Lotro great. What's a good name without evil? And though there are a few outliers like Melwinen, Mithrander, Mirabel, Meriadoc, and Minrimon, they are exceptions to the rule, and M is short for evil in almost every other context. Midgewater Marsh, May, the arena of Maythad. Malinhad, Melkor, Morgoth, Mordreth Mumikil, Moranin, the Black Gates, Mouth of Sauron, Mirkwood, Misty Mountains, Minis Morgul, the Mornshaws, Morflac, and the Moors. This episode of Light the Beacons, the letter M. Well, for the Beacon of Callahan this week, we got something a little special. You may recall a few episodes ago when Update 22 was introduced and the the fiddle premiered in the game. I speculated that Weatherstock would feature a song parody from the Charlie Daniels band at some point. Well, that didn't happen as far as I'm aware, but one longtime friend of the show, Fredilus, tweeted me with the first paragraph of the song. And I thought to myself, Gauntlet Throne. So here, without further ado... And with due credit to Fredelas for the first stanza is the Dark Lord went down to Hobbiton. When the Dark Lord went down to Hobbiton, he was looking for some food to steal. He was feeling spry but needed some pie and was willing to make a deal. He came across a young lass stoking an oven and making it hot. And the Dark Lord jumped on a hickory stump and said, "Lass, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a dooms-fulled-tier cook, too. If you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you bake a pretty good pie, old gal, but gives her on as due. I bet a pie of gold against your soul, cause I think I'm better than you. The lass said my name's Holly, and it might be a mistake. But I'll take your bet you're gonna regret, cause I'm the best that's ever baked. Holly, roll on up your dough and stoke your ovens hot. There's black riders loose in Hobbiton, and their steeds are blowin' snot and if you win you'll get this shiny pie that's made of gold but if you lose the dark lord gets your soul opened up a loot box and he said i'll start this show fire blew from aura druin as he crafted balls of dough then he screwed up the recipe and he made an evil hiss hit his farmer alt in the auction house for the ingredients that he'd missed When Dark Lord finished, Holly said, Well, you're pretty good, old son. But sit right down in that throne right there and let me show you how it's done. They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Smog shot down by a punk named Bard. Hobnanigans, chickens in the hedge maze go. Gollum bot your finger off, oh Frodo. Yeah! There's hobbits dancing, Elbow to elbow, do-si-do. Look at him go. The Dark Lord bowed his head, cause he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden pie down on the ground at Holly's hairy feet. Holly said, Soren, just come on back if you ever want to try a cake. I done told you once, you mire dunce, I'm the best that's ever baked. She played, they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. Smog shot down by a punk named Bard. Hobnanigans, chickens in the hedge maze, go. Gollum, bot your finger off, oh Frodo. Yeah! Bring back the poison pies to holly. We'll feed them all to the Dark Lord's demons. Ha 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 ha! Woo! Yeah do your finger off. Oh, Frodo. Yeah, well, that's one take brag. Once again, saying, eh, that's good enough. <laughs> Quality content right there. Thanks again, Fredless. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we ran out of time to squander. It's time for blessed relief. We're at Halithier and I'm officially putting my John Hancock on the 86th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all your constructive critique. You can contact me at BraggsonofBallon at gmail.com. That's Bragg with two A's. The second A stands for Aboriginal Dialect. On Facebook or Twitter at BraggsonofBallon or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes review like Bounder Doble did. If perhaps you're so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. Hey, if a Bounder has time for it, maybe you do too. If your comments incite me to forsake my legendary elven antipathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-Earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad, And remember... The next time your cooking alt thinks Mickle Delving is a safe, nurturing environment where nothing bad ever happens before a country rock anthem gives him nightmares, don't despair. Light the beacons. Taking the hobbit's dice in guard. Smog shot down by a punk named Bard. hobbin' nine against chickens in the hedge maze, go. Gollum bought your finger off O oh Frodo. Yeah! Woo! Huh. Baruch, Kazad. Dwarves love good old country music, as long as the country is in the Iron Mountains. Hee-haw!